Welcome to Two Guys in the Bible, a conversation on theology, culture, and the Word of God. My name is Eric Leupold, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Dylan Keniston. Good morning, Dylan. How are you doing? Today? I'm doing well, Eric. How are you doing this morning? I'm, I'm doing great. Very doing good. Great. Very blessed. Very good. And uh, so uh, today, we're kind of doing a mix of a, uh, I guess, a, a, a question that was submitted to us, as well as a theological topic. Um, a few weeks ago, I got a question from a man named uh, Mark, uh, who asked about uh, the end times, asked about prophecy of Christ's return, uh, which, and he was more talking about some of uh, uh, some of the theologians who, uh, and the pastors who basically say, you know, you know, write books about, hey, Jesus is coming back any any day. It could be, you know, or they actually predict a specific day. Uh, he was mentioning a guy named um, Ronald uh, Wineland. I guess I'm pronouncing that uh, right. Uh, and I, I looked up this guy on on the internet, and uh, apparently he is a a member of this uh, group called the uh, Worldwide Church of God, and he has written several books about you know how Jesus will return in this particular year on this particular day. Uh, whether it's you know 2019 or something like that. So now, uh, I guess this guy is uh, is is advocating that Jesus will be returning in in June of this year. Mm. Uh, so pretty pretty soon, I guess. Better get better get ready for that. So this this person was emailing us, uh, basically had asked about that. Um, seemed a little concerned about you know it, what you know. Just, is this guy speaking truth? How do we how do we navigate that? How do we address that? Because essentially, these these individuals, uh, men like like uh, Wineland, are are playing off of people's fears, and they're and they're basically advocating, hey, um, you know, Jesus is coming uh, this year, this month, this day, and therefore, you know, I don't know, get, you know, sell your possessions, give money to the or you know, whatever, do this in order to make sure that you are in a good position when he returns. <clears throat> and I, I want to read just real briefly the, the bio. And this is from uh, this Pastor Wineland's website. Um, so it's from his own, his own website. And here is what uh, it says about it. He says that, uh, let's see, he was baptized at age 20. Uh, he went to uh, college uh, in England and then uh, transferred to college in Texas got a degree in theology, and he became a minister in the, in the Worldwide Church of God. Uh, let's see. And then now it's, it starts getting weird when you read on, on there first because uh, basically this bio says that God uh, established this man as an apostle and a prophet in order to fulfill the commission uh, as the counterpart, so quote, as the counterpart to John, who wrote the book of Revelation. And here's what, and this is actually, the, the bio actually is pretty bold here. It says, uh, quote, John did not understand what he had written, as that was not given to him, since what he had written was not for his time period, but instead was for the end time. It is for this reason that God raised up a prophet at the end who would be the counterpart to John, and who would be used to reveal to the church and the world what God had given to John to record. John and Ronald, so this, this Wineland character, are the only two whom God made both apostles and prophets. And so, 
Um, and it, it goes on to talk about how Ronald and his wife are the two end time witnesses that are described in Revelation chapter 11. It gets really, it gets just quite weird about it. And so uh, these are just some of the things that this that men like like Wineland are are propagating, uh, basically trying to uh, paint themselves as the fulfilling of Revelation 11 or the book of Revelation in general. And so it's just an example of some of the folks that are out there. Now, this is, I would say, an extreme, an extreme example of this kind of uh, end times advocacy, if you will. Uh, I mean, this, this individual clearly falls under the, the realm of, of false, false teaching, false prophet, you know, basically subverting scripture, advocating for himself as basically the sole yeah. uh, deliverer of revelation essentially, or the sole interpreter of, of the book of Revelation. But um, the idea of, of counting or, or calculating the, the end date, uh, the time of Christ's return, uh, is even something that genuine Christians do or, or have, tried, have tried to do uh, there. Uh, uh, so uh, anyways, I just wanted to introduce the topic of, you know, how do we approach this issue of, calculating the time of Christ's return and uh, some of the thoughts that go along with it. What, how would you say we kind of crack that nut? Yeah. Well, I, so, I mean, I, I would say, so, so first of all, um, it's good to be looking forward <laughs> to Christ's return. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, hey, if he's coming in June, praise the Lord, right? Like come, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Right. That's something that, is is a good thing, um, mm-hmm. so I, I mean I want to I, I guess I would start with that, um, but you know we don't know when, and l- let's say for example if if you were going to try and um, let's say you try and calculate you know a, a particular day for you know when Christ was going to come back, mm-hmm. um, well so, so here's the thing I'm always a little bit leery of leaning into things that are um, not discernible from the text or that are calculations by, by man on the basis of, 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 you know, allegedly on the basis of the text. Um, you know, I'm always a little bit leery of those things that are not really in the, the, the public arena in the, in the plain reading of the text that are up for discussion and, and, and take some kind of secret code to get to yeah. interpretation, right? That's, that's not good. I mean, there are, clear passages that indicate that we do not know when he is coming back. Uh, no one knows the day or the hour we read in, in Matthew 24. Um, and, you know, we also read that, that God, you know, God's time is not our time. You know, I think of Psalm, uh, Psalm 90, um, Psalm 90, verse four, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past mm. or as a watch in the night. Uh, or Second Peter three eight. This is another uh, popular one, which says, "But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day." So you put that in perspective, and it's like been two days in God time since uh, <laughs> since Jesus was raised from the dead, right? Like that's yeah, that's not very long. Um, so yes, yeah, so, I mean, I would just say I'm always a little bit leery when when human 
contriving human wisdom, human thought tries to encroach on uh, and impose a, something onto the text that the text itself does not plainly say. In fact, the text plainly says the opposite. No one mm-hmm. knows the day or the hour, not, in the, not even the angels of heaven nor the son, but the father only. That's Matthew 24, 36. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I would start there. Yeah, I mean, you need to start with, with the text of Scripture. And, and I think it's pretty clear that this is something that Christians are not supposed to know. Yeah. I mean, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the revealed yes. things belong to us. That's Deuteronomy 29, 29. Um, and with, with, with folks like, like this, this Wineland individual um, who, who is so bold as to even say that John didn't even know what he was writing about in the book of Revelation, like that, that, that concerns me greatly. Um, uh, when we look at the scriptures, and this kind of goes into the realm of hermeneutics or uh, interpreting, interpreting, <laughs> that's not a word, <laughs> interpretation of the text, um, you can't ignore the original audience and the, the original context. I mean, uh, John in the book of Revelation even says, let him who has wisdom calculate the number of the beast. Let's say if we're talking about, you know, the beast. And his number is 666, right? So even John is like, hey, whoever's reading this can have wisdom and can understand what I'm talking about. And the number of this beast is, is 666. So those who are reading John's letter in the first century, they, you know, let's say, you know, the wise person is, is up in the attic doing the calculations and comes down. He's not going to say, who is this Adolf Hitler character? Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, who is Napoleon? Like, I don't know, you know, what? It would have had a meaning. These and locusts it, must be helicopters. That's right. It would have had a meaning to the original audience. They would have had something to, to glean from it. It yeah. would have been useful for them uh, there in the book of Revelation. So I, I just think that that's just one thing. We don't want to, we, want to, we always want to be careful. You cannot uh, rip the text out of its original context and audience because if you do that, you can turn the Bible into Plato. You can make it do whatever you want it to do. Yeah. Which is exactly, in all honesty, what Satan does when he tempts Jesus. When he quotes from Scripture, you know, he shall command his angels and they will not, he will not strike his foot against a stone. Mm. So, so Satan quotes from the Psalms. And he, but if you look at it, he completely rips it out of its context and tries to throw it at Jesus uh, to basically tempt him. Hey, um, throw yourself from the from this, and you'll be fine uh, there. So, just some thoughts to uh, to consider there. Well, um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, the other thing too is like you think about how many how many uh, passages in Scripture say like, you know I know Matthew twenty four thirty six is one that comes to mind right away concerning the day of the hour. No one knows, but there's other texts too that insist that Jesus is going to come at an hour we don't expect. Yeah, right. So we read that in Matthew uh, twenty four. Verse 44, therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Um, also, the parable of the uh, of the ten virgins mm-hmm. in uh, Matthew 25. So I'll just read 25, uh, 1 here. Then the, uh, then, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, Christ's coming is delayed. Mm. 
They all became drowsy and slept, but at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom! Come out to meet him! Christ has returned. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in to him to the marriage feast, went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. And here's the, here's the punchline, verse 13. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So mm. the, the point is, we don't know when Christ is uh, coming back. So similarly, uh, <coughs> Acts 1, verse 6. <coughs> so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? This is, this is the apostles here talking to the resurrected Christ. Christ says, uh, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So again, yeah. again and again and again, we are told it's mm. not for you to know the day or the hour. Yeah. Christ is coming back. But here's what's interesting. Like, where does the Bible put the emphasis when it talks about these things? It puts the emphasis on our readiness for him to our return. Our preparedness, yeah. Our preparedness. So anytime I come across someone like our, our questioner, uh, like if our questioner was, you know, we're, you know, sitting across from each other at the at the dinner table, we're having a conversation about these things. And if someone were to express concern, you know, because Christ, is Christ coming back? Like, is, is the world and what coming do I to do? an end? What, what, what do I do? Yeah, like, uh, is this true? Um, my question back to them is, you know, first of all, probably not. But, but set that aside for a minute. Imagine it were. Imagine this is true. Imagine he's coming back in, I don't know, June of 2019, <laughs> right? He's coming back soon, the Bible says. The real question is, are you ready? That's the question. Imagine mm -hmm. that he really is coming back very, very soon because he is coming back very, very soon. Now, what exactly that means, I don't know. What exact date that entails, I have no idea, and I'm not yeah. going to pretend to guess. But the key is, are you ready to meet him? Yeah. Right? So we read in... Um, First uh, Peter four. So First Peter four verse seven. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, here's how we are to live in light of the end, in light of Christ's return. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, hmm. since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. In other words, Jesus is coming back. And how should we live in light of his impending return? And yeah. the Bible has much practical wisdom to give us. It says, you know, don't go, you know, buy a reinforced underground bunker and like <laughs> shield yourself from yeah. the world because- Or sell all your possessions. Or sell yeah. your, yeah, exactly. Or like, like, that's not, rather, here's how you are to live in light of the end. So mm -hmm. imagine he's coming, imagine he's coming back very, very soon. Now, are you ready? That would be mm -hmm. my- exhortation to our yeah. questioner well that, yeah and that i mean that makes sense uh, obviously and besides the readiness portion i mean we tend to think oh jesus is coming back right away i gotta be ready but there's one other thing you need to remember is that you any of us could die at any time yeah exactly so so yes. you want to be ready for that because let's say he does come back he is coming back in june 2019 but you could die tomorrow you're not saying he is. Like, just I'm not imagine. He's, yeah, imagine imagine he's coming back. Even yeah, if yeah. that were true, does that does that guarantee that you're going to see it? Right. 
because you might, you know, you, you, you're not promised t- tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. So you need to be ready at all times. Today is a day. Don't harden your hearts. Today is a day to repent, right? Amen. Do not harden your hearts if you hear his voice. I do want to uh, read another passage. Now, what we're saying here is that, just to make it very clear, uh, we, would, we would all agree the day, the hour, the specific time, no one knows. That does not mean there aren't any hints, if you will. Hmm. But even then, even then, those hints are not meant to be specific, um, you know, days on the calendar. And let me read. Let me just read one hint of from Second Thessalonians chapter two. This is a uh, uh, Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. I'll start in verse verse one uh, through twelve. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word, or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let me pause there for a second. So Paul is saying to the listeners, guys, do not be alarmed, do not be shaken. Uh, even, even from letters that seem to be from us. Okay, so apparently there must be some kind of false letters or false, uh, pre- pretending letters uh, that are that are speaking of quote to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. So there's there's people in the church that are going around saying, hey, it's already happened. Jesus has already returned, um, and people are getting a little concerned about that, quite alarmed that they missed the resurrection. Right, and and Paul's saying no, don't don't let anyone. So starting in verse three, don't let anyone let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come, unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction or the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called god or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. That's verse four. And then he start, it goes in verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So the whole context of this is that, basically, yeah, the coming of the Lord has not happened yet, number one. Number two, it's going to be preceded by this man of lawlessness. And Paul gives some descriptions as to what that's going to look like. And number three, that's going to lead to rebellion and delusion, false signs and false wonders, where there are going to be people who refuse to love the truth and kind of follow after this guy, and they will be deluded mm-hmm. by it. But that is what... That's, that's the context in Paul gets. But Paul doesn't say specifically this man of lawlessness is coming, you know, you know, June of 2019 or June of 2020. This is, you know, not at all. Uh, you know, so, so it's, we get some general sense of what to look for. 
these uh, signs and wonders and 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 the birth pangs. We've heard that uh, terminology used uh, even from Jesus himself. Like these are just uh, birth pains. But anyways, the point is that uh, there are warning signs, but nothing specific that allows us to say, oh yeah, it's 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 next Tuesday. Uh, so I hope you guys are ready, right? So, um, and one other thing before we kind of move on a little bit is, as Christians, we need to understand the every generation has has thought itself to be in the, the last, last generation. Yeah. In fact, it's interesting. First, when I did some research on the on the history of the Reformation. Martin Luther himself thought yeah, he that did. he was in the last days. That's where my mind jumped yeah, in, right when you said that. Because yeah. like, he had, in his mind, in his writings, he mentions uh, two antichrists. He viewed the uh, the papacy, the pope, mm-hmm. as the spiritual antichrist and the Muslims, and the Muslims yeah, as the physical, yeah. earthly antichrist, right. which That's is interesting. And then I, I pulled up this article about Napoleon Bonaparte and uh, the uh, signs of the end times and that was being discussed then. And it's interesting is that uh, in, uh, in Leo Tolstoy's book, War and Peace, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte is likened to the Antichrist hmm. of that time. And in fact, this article talks about some of the uh, preaching that took place during that time period that alluded to Napoleon as being the Antichrist. Um, he says that uh, a lot of preachers uh, calculated the number of the beast, and actually, if you if you calculate the words "le emperor Napoleon," it adds up to six 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 there. And let's see, uh, let's see. There was I've one, heard a lot of like yeah. the six. Like you get you get that a lot. Like Nero, Hitler, yeah. like Henry Kissinger, Kissinger. I've heard yeah. too. Like Napoleon. You Napoleon. know what I mean? There's there's a whole bunch of those, and th- yeah, that's so. I, so I think. You know, part of the the six 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 thing too, I think, is like you know, generally, and we can dive more into more detail on this on another episode. But generally, in, in scripture, you have to kind of seven as the number of perfection. Yeah. Um, and then you have three uh, three sets of, of of seven, kind of indicating yeah. the perception. So a lot of times you hear you have things coming in in threes. Uh, holy, holy, the 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 holy, holy, holy. That all the holies come in threes, That's right. right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, threes. And then likewise, you have seven being the number of perfection or completion, <laughs> right? So you have seven days of creation. On the seventh day, God rests. Yeah. Uh, there's a number of examples throughout Scripture where, where that manifests itself. So here you have um, kind of seven, 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 and the perfection of the of the of the Trinity in a sense, um, where six, six, six is kind of like aping that Trinity, right? So if you look in the Book of Revelation, you have the what is it the the beast, the false prophet. And there's a there's a third character. There's who, like a false trinity. Yeah, the, yeah it's it's like apes the trinity exactly. Yeah. And so you have like this this shortcoming, this this perpetual sinful shortcoming in Satan mm-hmm. who, that tries to ape the trinity. Um, and and I, now there may be all kinds of ways that that manifests itself. Like John will write, even even as Antichrist is coming, so mm-hmm. many Antichrists are I have coming. Have come, yes, right? Have, have already come, exactly. So, you know, there is probably, there is a sense in which, you know, Hitler was an Antichrist. There is a sense in which That's Nero right. was an Antichrist, yeah. right? But all of, but, but none of that is to say that kind of on the final day that that Antichrist par excellence has mm. come already or is coming at a particular date, yeah. right? So like, I'm generally hesitant and and leery so like the what the, the bible is so so jesus reveals himself in his word yes 
right? God reveals himself in his word. And some of the concern that I have around, you know, all of the secret codes, kind of Da Vinci coding the Bible. Yeah, exactly. Right? Is, is like, it kind of pushes, I mean, uh, the, one of the biggest critiques is that it's not any longer in the, the public domain of, of accessibility, right? These are not things that are no longer rooted in the plain meaning of the text, but you're looking somehow behind the text or what the text plainly says. Yeah, very says, hidden stuff. Very hidden stuff to go yeah. into certain meaning. Qu- quite apart from that, though, it, it contradicts the whole purpose of, of the Bible in a sense, right? Because there, Jesus is made known in the Word. He's not. He's not like... It, it's not me- God is not saying I want to make this elusive. I want to make Jesus unattainable. I want to mm. make Jesus like like the whole point is God reveals Himself through His Word supernaturally. Now yeah. it may take spiritual awakening to see that. Yeah. right? certainly from. But the he's Holy not Spirit. playing. I have a secret. But he's yeah exactly right. Now that does not and it doesn't mean other things too. It doesn't mean things are are not hidden by God from yeah. unbelievers from being able to see things in Scripture. But when things are hidden by God from unbelievers, that's not to say that the things themselves are not truly there yeah. and, and on the surface of the plain reading of the text, right? So, yeah. so that's—it generally kind of pushes against the thrust of, of how, you know, what, what God has done with the Word. Yeah. Um, so those kinds of, like, you know, finding hidden meanings in Bible— co- like, anytime you hear somebody say Bible code, like, yeah. run, the, run the other way. Just straight up run the other way, right? Yeah. Because that's not good. Yeah, and that's not to say that the that numbers don't have it's meaning. Not, exactly, like I was just saying, there's right. there's plenty of examples where numbers do have meaning, but they're pretty plain. Yeah, like you know, do I forgive my brother seven times? How many times? Not seven, seventy times. Seventy seven. times seven. Okay, exactly. which is a number of perfection, and yeah. that's it. Doesn't it doesn't mean that you forgive them four hundred ninety times, and then at four ninety one you're done. Exactly. I mean, the whole point is that language means it's a it's a symbol of there is no end essentially yeah. to the number of times you forgive your brother when he sins against you and repents right, right? so that's just one example and um real quick i just when i was reading this article it was very interesting the article quotes or references several um protestant preachers in the 1800s that gave sermons about napoleon being the son of satan so he quotes uh in south carolina the reverend davis uh, uh, did a sermon called The Millennium or a short sketch on the rise and fall of Antichrist. And he talks about Napoleon being uh, rising to power. Uh, another person, uh, and in fact, this, uh, this, uh, this Reverend Davis uses the argument that both, uh, Napoleon was born from the island of Corsica in the Mediterranean. So he uses that to say he's the beast out of the sea because Corsica is an island in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. So therefore, that fits, like that puzzle piece clicks in in the mind of yeah, that mind, reverend yeah. and there's other things like um another uh a minister talks about how napoleon entered rome and forced the pope to basically crown napoleon as emperor hmm. basically subjugating subjugating the pope and use that as an example of hey napoleon is the antichrist because this is what the antichrist sets himself up as as god in a way over things so it's just interesting and talked about this other preacher from called uh, Ethan Smith in New England that um, also referred to Napoleon as Antichrist. So these these are not new things. Right. Like the idea 
that we're living in the end times and that here's the Antichrist, here's the Antichrist. That's not new. Now, to your point earlier, I do believe that there are many Antichrists. Yeah, Because that's what John it. even yeah. says <laughs> yeah. it right there, yeah. right? Now, do I think that there is also a penultimate Antichrist, a uh, man of lawlessness? I think there is. Yeah, I um, so. I think there will be this this pinnacle, if you will, yeah. of the the Antichrist as opposed to an Antichrist. Just like Paul seems to be referring to this man of lawlessness, and, and it's like the man of lawlessness being spoken of here. But that being said, um, I think I think Revelation, the book of Revelation, has application all throughout church history in that regard because John even says in the very beginning of the book of Revelation, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep it, what is written. Okay, so that means that for any generation that's received this book of Revelation, it's a blessing. It's a blessing for John's audience, his, his, the first century listeners, to read it and to hear it. And it's a blessing for us to read it and to hear it. And I, I don't see how, if, if a person is to say that Revelation only applies to the future, it can't be a blessing I don't see how it can be a blessing for John's original audience mm. or any generation mm. except for the last generation, yeah. if you will. So that's some some thoughts I had there um, with that. So anyways, Napoleon's been labeled a, an antichrist. Hitler, clearly, if we were living in the time of the 1930s, 1940s, I can't imagine any, you know, it'd be pretty clear, like, okay, I can see Hitler being, you know, the antichrist. This is the last days, right? Uh, this is this is doomsday, if you will. Um, so there's many other generations that have thought that they were in the last days. So, so practically speaking, as we as we come to the end of this discussion, you know, what are some, you know, what should believers be doing now? I mean, should we get caught up into, you know, uh, holding the the Book of Revelation next to a newspaper? Like, like how should we approach these things, Dylan? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we, we do, um, I think we get ready to meet the Lord for <laughs> ourselves. We do exactly what First Peter 4, 7 and on says, the end of all things at hand, therefore, here's what you do. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Keep loving one another earnestly. Show hospitality to one another. Use your gifts to serve one another. When you speak, speak oracles of God. When you serve, serve as by the strength God supplies. Like they're basically go on living for God's glory, yeah. Knowing that you are that you have an assurance that when you meet the Lord, you have you are secure in Christ. Your eternal inheritance is secure. Um, that again, that would be my exhortation to anyone who's concerned about you know uh, false prophecies about you know dating a you know putting a particular date on when Christ is coming back. Um, you know, if he really came back that day, would you be ready? Um, mm. And to your point, because you're exactly right, y let's say he came back in June, you might not even live that long. The bottom line is, are you ready to meet your maker? Are you hidden in Christ? And have you repented and trusted in him for the forgiveness of sins? Do you believe the gospel? And if you do, then praise God, come Lord Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, but I would say, don't get caught up. It, you are... You, it would be a waste of time and gifting and energy to try and pinpoint a date, to try and 
to try and reveal that which God has hidden and that which the Father alone knows uh, that he has not given to us to know. Um, so I would say, yeah, pour, pour yourself into other pursuits. That would yeah. be my two cents. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, it seems. I don't, like, I don't know if that's like too blunt. Uh, you know, oh no. it's certainly not anything against. Like again, I this this email this questioner, I'm sure is is earnest and really is concerned. And again, if this questioner were right here with us, I would say, look, you know, pursue Christ relentlessly because you could die tomorrow. You yeah. know what I mean, like that really is the bottom line. Yeah. And in terms of all these end time prophecies, if you're looking up on, you know, YouTube, you get there's this rabbit hole of all kinds of theories and da 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 da. da. Just yeah. don't don't worry about all that. Don't go down that rabbit hole because the the vast majority of it is is quite frankly useless. Yeah. And speculative. And we're not to speculate with God's word beyond that which he has revealed to us. So don't I would say, you know, pursue other avenues. And don't buy those books. Yeah, don't buy those books. Because that encourages them. Yeah. Don't encourage them. Yeah. But uh uh, also, I was thinking on a practical level. I mean, the, I'm just thinking of the picture in my mind is of a, of a, of a young child, or, or let's say that you know, father father leaves, your father leaves, or or whatever leaves the house and says to to the son, hey, uh, you got these chores to do. I want you to do these things uh, before I get back, and I, you know, I don't, you know, yeah, I'll be back soon, but you don't know exactly like what minute or hour I'll be back, right? But you got these chores to do. I need you to cut the grass. I need you to do this, that, and the other thing. Okay, father leaves, right? And if the if the son basically sits at the window and just like is watching his, is watching, it's like, you know, and just the anxiety and the anxiousness is like, I just want to know when he's going to come back. I just need to know when is he going to come back? It's like, but he's not obeying. He's not doing his chore. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. It's like, he's like, how much time do I have? How much time do I have? Well, don't worry about it. It's like it's like if you're sitting at the window waiting, and 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 just and with anxiety about Christ's return, you're actually not obeying. You know, you're not being a good steward of the time that God has given you. You need to you need to do what the Lord has commanded: make disciples. Obviously, love your neighbor, love God. There's things that need to be done. Share the gospel. Yeah. Um, and the, and the sin you would, I mean the sin is not in the waiting the sin is in the passivity that's it right it's that's the, right we're not we are not to wait we always wait for the Lord but we are never waiting passively that's right right we're always doing the chore you know what I mean it, it is it is imperative to continue to do you know that which the Lord has given us to yeah. do in this time and what a not what a missed opportunity it is to to sit by the windowsill like you were saying yeah so. With that, I think that's a good on that. Let's uh, let's move. We haven't done one in a while. Let's do a proverb of the day. Very good. Proverb of the day. day. We have not done one in quite some time, but I think it's good to get back into it. Uh, Dylan, you let me know when you're ready for this one. I'm ready. All right, here we go. It's going to be Proverbs 28, 26. Okay. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. It's almost like you planned that for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so like this is exactly what I was what I was getting at a, a little while ago. What we were talking about is like you know when we're talking about all these kind of calculations and machinations of of you know conclusions that get drawn, and but 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 it's all none of it is in the plain reading of the text, right? Yeah. So like 
when you're when we're trusting in those kinds of conclusions, you know, he's going to come back, you know, in 1988, he's going to come back in, you know, 2019, he's going to come, you know, whatever this month, this day, you're trusting in your own mind, you're trusting in your own calculations. Like, yeah, that's that's foolish, ultimately, is what this proverb is saying. But he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. And right. What is what is the way of wisdom? The, the beginning of wisdom is the is the fear of the, the is the fear of the Lord. The beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. And what what all of that amounts to is pouring ourselves into His Word, where He reveals Himself. He reveals wisdom. He reveals Christ, who is our wisdom, mm. in and through His Word. So so that is that is those are the paths we want to walk. Right. Those are the paths of wisdom that God has for us to walk, rather than trusting in our own mind. And I would say, you know, I'm, I'm taking this proverb and kind of applying it to the context of this conversation. But of course, the application for this proverb extends beyond, you know, picking particular dates. You know, there are senses in which we trust in our own mind, yeah. you know, broadly, you know, epistemologically, you know, we're, we're kind of thinking like that, um, you know, look, the, the bottom line is um, when we say two plus two equals four, okay, that that does not exist apart from God's glory. That does not exist apart from God's creative sanction. God, two plus two equals four because God made it that way, right? Mm-hmm. And two plus two, we can understand to and expect to uh, be two plus two equals four. It'll still equal four tomorrow, mm-hmm. and it will still equal four the day after that because God upholds uh, consistency in in nature and in rules and in laws of math and in, in laws of logic. So all of this is, none of it is we're trusting in our own efforts, in our own thoughts, in our own minds. Certainly when we're, when we're doing any kind of thinking, you're doing any kind of uh, research or science or history or math or, or language arts or anything that we are doing, it does, like it, it does not work unless we assume God at the forefront. That's true. Right. And, and so we are not to trust in our own minds thinking that, you know, the, the models that we build work just, you know, fine on their own apart from God. They don't. Um, so, I mean, the application broadens. But of in the context of this conversation, <laughs> try not to, like, calculate dates and stuff, you know, from, <laughs> from, from the Bible. That usually is uh, leading down unhelpful roads. Yeah. No, thank you for tackling that proverb for us, Dylan, and uh, and thank you all for uh, listening to Two Guys in a Bible uh, this week. Um, uh, if you uh, are listening on, on iTunes, please uh, please uh, give us some feedback, rate us on iTunes, uh, share share us with your friends, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we're always looking for feedback. Please send us other questions if you have any questions. Uh, you can go to our website, twoguysinabible.org. That's the number two in front of that. And there's a section where you can submit questions for us. We take any questions, any theological, cultural-related uh, question. Or you can just go direct to us at, at Gmail, uh, number two, uh, Podcast at gmail.com. And so, again, uh, thank you all for listening. We pray this has been a, a blessing to you. And, again, thank you again, Dylan, for joining me today. Thank you, Eric. It's been a pleasure. All right. Take care, y'all. God bless. God bless. Thank you.